Hand. Welcome to the Hand in Hand show where caregivers and survivors have honest discussions about stroke. We are a part of Stroke Focus Podcast. This is Cam, your host. Hello, everyone. This is Cam of the Hand in Hand show, a part of Stroke Focus. And today I'm with Clem Sutter, who's a member of the Unlimited Possibilities Stroke Support Group. It's a local stroke and TBI support group out of Georgia and a flagship group in the Brain Injury Association of Georgia. Clem has played a very important role in helping Unlimited Possibilities grow. He offers some very unique perspectives on many issues around stroke and TBI recovery. Encouraged by his fellow group members, Clem started a vlog. Currently, Clem is doing an online support group, and you can join Clem each Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. There is no cost, and as long as you have good Internet connection, you can join, and you can also join via a smartphone, a tablet, a computer, connected with webcam, and a microphone. So that's pretty exciting for all of us. But, Clem, welcome. Thank you. Nice to talk to you again. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, I was a regional manager for a company that worked in the medical dental field. And uh, I had six states that I was managing. I was on the road quite a bit, obviously. And I got home late one Friday night. Went to bed. I didn't feel good. I woke up about 2 o'clock in the morning. I didn't feel good. I went to go to where I kept the medicine, which actually was in the kitchen cabinet, and I blacked out and fell down the stairs. Well, it was 36 hours before I got to the hospital because my son found me there, and uh, he didn't know what to do. They called the EMTs, and at that time, if you could answer any questions right, they didn't take you to the uh, hospital. And I must have some, answered something correctly, even though I didn't know who my son was, because they didn't take me to the hospital. So it was 36 hours before I got to the hospital, and then all they did, all they could do at that point was try to control the swelling. And I was lucky. Then I spent quite a bit of time in the hospital, and I don't remember any of it. Uh, I'm constantly amazed when I talk to people in the different stroke groups and uh, brain injury support groups when I find out that they can remember so much of their hospitalization, and I don't remember any of it. As a matter of fact, I heard later I thought I was on a pretty poor cruise ship. I complained about the room service. I do get that about not remembering because I do myself remember some things, but a lot of things I don't. I remember sitting on the side of the bed and apparently an alarm went off and I was wondering why there was an alarm going off somewhere and apparently because I sat on the edge of the bed, the next thing I know is I hear boom, 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 boom down the hallway and some guy, big old huge guy, comes sliding through the door. I mean, he was sliding like he was sliding into home base and right. another right behind him and then right behind him was a nurse and I'm looking at him and I'm like what's going on that's the one thing about my hospital stay I remember and yeah. there was no 
yelling at me about sitting on the side of the bed. And I go, I'm not getting up. I just had to move. But, yeah, that's one thing I remember is this guy coming in and sliding through the door. The only thing I can remember about it is they tied me down to the bed. Oh. I went to get up, and I couldn't get up. It was uh, not not any fun. But, anyway, uh, it was quite a while. And I, and I, to be honest with you, my memory is probably the worst that's got affected. I can remember yesterday with enough prodding. Mm-hmm. But normally I don't. My long-term memory seems fairly good. Uh, it's not great, but it's it's better than my short-term memory. The part of my brain that recognizes things like facial recognition or landmark recognition, mm-hmm. it is something I don't do well. I thank God for the new phones because I can tell it where I'm going, and it tells me how to get there. When I get lost, I just tell it to take me home, and it drives me home. Uh-huh. So that's another funny for me because it can tell me where to go. Yeah, I was trying to find the bank, and it just didn't work. The bank was right there. It said it was right there, but I couldn't find it and went right past it and and got kind of lost. But I love my phone because then I do get more places than than not. Right. And you're right. If I haven't been there a 100 times, I I don't even – usually go because I'll get lost and and I just get, I get, I hate being lost. Yeah. Which makes, which is crazy for me because I had the six states that I managed and you can give me an address in any of those six states and I know how to get there. I could get there. Right. Oh, I I totally understand. And I'm sure others do also because before the stroke, you could just even tell me an area and I could find it. Now we moved from here, from the county, into the city, and it's like a whole new world for me. I can't find anything. I mean, it was practice before I could even get to and from work going the same route every day. If I have to go a different route because of an accident or whatever, I panicked. It's just not a good thing. But before, I could have done it and gotten off the road and done, you know, back roads and highways and whatever. So I totally understand that one. We live with it. I, uh, as a result of all of that, I think that I think of myself as a, especially now, a more caring person. So I'm trying to figure out ways to help other people. Uh, in my job, that's what I, I always took my job as being, helping other people to achieve things, whether it's to fix something or to install something but to make somebody else's life better. And that's where I am. So when I I had all this time at home, it it led me to thinking an awful lot. I mean, obviously we have nothing but time on our hands and I don't go nowhere. So I spend a lot of time thinking. And one of the things that I wanted to be able to do is to help other people to be positive because you can't change the events. You know, you, you really can't. You, you, this is the hand you're dealt with. you got to deal with it and, and try to pick yourself up and do the best you can with it. But in trying to understand that, I, you know, you have to have faith in something. And my faith was in God. Mm-hmm. But I don't think of it as the way a lot of people would for one reason. 
for me, if something is going to be true, it needs to be true all the time, not some of the time. If it's the truth, it's got to be all the time. So that's what I was thinking about. And I finally got a concept of something that is true all of the time. It would have been true a thousand years ago. It will be true a thousand years from now. It's always the truth. And that's what I try to give to people when I write my, my blog above God and men. That's what I'm trying to give them. I don't, you know, to me, I don't believe in separating the things you believe. What you believe God reaches you through, and that's good. But God is the God of everybody, no matter who you are. Now, the only problem with the concept of God is that people divide it the way they want to or the way they can understand it. But they don't, they don't, they forget that it's got to be for everybody. So it's got to be a way that will work for everybody. And that's what I was looking for. And that's what he showed me. So I was able to understand that, which led to a whole world of understanding that I would have never even thought of, but I do now. Okay. So let's go back a little bit, because I think to 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 get to that point, tell us about your experience with unlimited possibilities. Yes. Actually, I've probably been a member of Unlimited Possibilities for maybe 10 years, because it was about a year before one of the doctors finally recommended that I go to a support group. And uh, it, it turned out to be what became Unlimited Possibilities. It was, I'm sure that the support group might have existed in some form there before, but we got a lot bigger and a lot quicker after I, me and several other people got involved. It seems like we were able to help a lot and be more productive at trying to convince people that have had a stroke or a brain injury that they need to get some support. Because no matter how strong you think you are, you still need to have somebody else that's gone through it so you don't have to try to explain to them how something feels when it's every second of every day. See, a lot of people ask you how you feel, and you tell them, and, and they can have no concept of what's that, what that's really like. Right. It's not something you can leave, and you have to deal with it. So developing a positive attitude about it is very important. In order for that to happen, you can't count on doctors to do that for you. You have to do that through your personal interactions. Right. And, you know, the one thing I notice is when you talk to people who have not had a stroke or a brain injury, they say, oh, you know, I'm just like that. Uh, no, take it 20 times worse. Right. Get forgetful. And, yeah, maybe you walk into a room every now and again and you can't remember what you were doing. This is our everyday life sometimes. Um, maybe not for all of us, but for a lot of us. Or people get tired of hearing, I'm achy today, or, you know, I'm having an off day. 
and things like that. And being able to be with people who have had a stroke or a TBI, they get it. And they need that too. They need that connection that says, oh yeah, I'm still normal in this group. This is all of our normals. So yeah, so that's very important. Yeah, I think that, I think that, uh, one of the things, and a lot of people never really think about it, they go to church and they do all these things, but every morning when I get up, I think, man, God gave me another day. It's up to me what I'm going to do with it. I can make it as good or as bad as it's going to be. It's up to me. And I want to make it the best I can possibly make it. And that's the message that I'm trying to get across to people is that God gave you a gift. He doesn't want anything from you except for you to make the gift worth more. And the only way you can make it worth more is helping other people and then sharing with them. So with all of this, you then started your, started your Facebook blog. Right. So how did that come about? Your unlimited possibility cohorts said, yeah, you need to do this or. Yes. Uh, a lot of, a lot of them said I need to be on, on YouTube or something like that. Because evidently, you know, I must be positive enough for them. It helps them. So that that's a wonderful thing. And, and I thought about it, and I thought, well, I don't know how to do that. I really, you know, I'm not that computer literate. I mean, I can use one, but I, I'm not good at it. So it, it was a couple of years before I got to the point where I could get some of the ideas down. As a matter of fact, I wrote a book and the book never got published because I didn't know how to do all that. Yeah. So I'm trying another one and we're going to see how that one works. Well, I have to tell you, Clem, I call it being computer challenged because I am computer challenged. Well, for me, that's the crazy part of this because one of the things that I did, somebody could call me from a hospital tell me the kind of problem they were having with an x-ray system, and I could usually tell them how to fix it. I could troubleshoot it over the phone from what they told me. Well, after I had the accident, it took me six hours to jumpstart a stupid riding lawnmower. All that was gone. Now I have a hard time with the computer, but I didn't used to. Yeah. Totally understandable. I feel you. Seriously. So, Clem, what have you learned from your experience, from your stroke, from unlimited possibilities, from your vlog, from your faith in God? The most important thing that I have ever learned in all of the things that I have ever learned is understanding the difference between sacrifice and mercy. It sounds like a simple thing, but it's really not. But I'll tell you what, it's the key to everything. If you can understand that, then you can understand value, how you get it, how you make it, how you improve it. It literally is the key to everything. As crazy as it may sound, because I would have thought it was nuts too at one point. But the reality of it is, it's a statement of value. And value only comes from your feelings. Nobody else can give it to you. Nobody else can take it from you. It's got to come from you. Because of that little symptom, because that's the way it was designed, 
everybody gets to have dominion over their own life, they get to choose what they're going to feel happy about, what they're going to feel sad about. They get to choose what they're going to believe in, what they're going to put faith in. And if they're putting faith in something that's not true, then they get disappointed. Then they get hurt. Like in her case, if you tell somebody who's had a stroke or a brain injury that life is going to be great and it's going to be wonderful, well, that's not true. You're going to have some changes. The changes don't have to be bad. They can be good. It depends on how you're going to use it. You can either draw friends and family close to you and gain support from them, or you can drive them away. It really is up to you. Right. I found that as long as you wake up in the morning and you say to yourself, it's going to be a good day, it is a good day. And then everything that you look at comes in a more positive outlook. If you wake up and you say, oh, hell, I can't handle this or this, you know, whatever. That's how your day is going to go. That's how it's going to start. Can't do that. Wake up with a positive attitude. Wake up and find at least one thing to be grateful for, to have gratitude for. And then your day will slowly get better, you know, better than what you thought it could be. Uh, And it's a process. It is a process. But if you don't do that, you're not going to make progress in your recovery. You're going to, as you said, push people away. Um, Now, and I know that we all need to go through a grieving process. And some seem to get through it very quickly. I got through it very quickly. Other people, 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, even three years, whatever, they're still grieving and they can't seem to get out of that. But I also think being around people who understand through a group or through joining on Fridays and things like that can kind of help you feel like it's not so bad. Yes. I think that the one thing you said, which really resonates with me and and I guess the biggest difference between sacrifice and mercy actually comes from when you wake up and you say it's a great day if you leave it at that it's going to be a great day Mm -hmm. but I say I'm going to make it the best day it could possibly be Mm -hmm. that's when you're adding to it and that's what mercy does mercy adds to things sacrifice takes things away So I'm thinking we really hit on this, but you might, maybe you want to add something, but you know that having a stroke or a TBI is very challenging. Do you have advice for survivors and or even caregivers? Yes. The best advice that I can give would be to try to be kind to yourself. You know, you, you're not going to be able to do what you used to do. The caregivers need to understand that they're not going to be able to do what they used to do. But you need to reward yourself for every improvement that you make. Working is only only works when you receive a reward for it. 
as you get better and you do better for yourself, you need to give yourself a reward. And don't forget to reward your caregivers because they're the ones that are helping you through this. Well, and that really does work both ways, though, because the survivor needs to let the caregiver know that they are valued. Sometimes they get frustrated with us or we get frustrated with them. I mean, it happens. Our lives have both changed. But sometimes we forget about those caregivers and and that they need the encouragement and and to know that they're valued also. Yes. See, I always tell them, what's not to love? Of course they love you. Well, that's true. I give my Joe all the time. I give him trouble because if I didn't, number one, who would? I see you're drinking out of a Christmas mug. Do you know it's six months till Christmas? Well, I see. I got my grandkids <laughs> convinced that I'm Santa Claus. Well, yeah. you do kind of have that look going. You look like a Santa. It's conversations like this, I think, that help you stay positive. I yeah. think that you help create that with this kind of stuff, with your unlimited possibilities, with your vlog. What do you think? I think that, that uh, it's, to me, of all of the treatment I received after after my injury, the single most important thing was to go to a support group. Mm-hmm. It really was. Because I don't care how you, if you externalize it or you internalize it or you try to put on a brave face and go through life, you still have to deal with it. And dealing with it without seeing other people that have dealt with it and are being successful, I mean, that's an amazing, amazing feat. When you go to a support group, a local support group, and you see people who may have been hurt so much more than you were, and they lost so much more than you were, and they're still positive and they're still going through it, and then you begin using them as guides and as uh, goals. And it it really helps your mental state. And I think that, that, you know, a brain injury or a stroke is not like you broke your arm where six months later you're going to be, you're going to put in a cast in six months, it'll be, or six weeks, it'll be fine. That's not the way this works. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can't think of it in the same terms. And yet everybody you meet who's never had one, that's how they think of it. You're going to be six weeks, you'll be fine. Exactly, which is the most frustrating thing for me because people see me and maybe you and they don't see anything wrong. And we can go through the emotions of everything and seem very normal. But what they don't understand is if in that process something goes wrong. I go through it because I'm I'm like six foot three and I weigh two hundred and seventy pounds. I'm not a little fella. (laughs) And and uh, when my balance goes off, I do some of the greatest dives you you ever wanted to see. I mean, I should get Olympic scores on those things. (laughs) But the problem is I don't bounce like I used to. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, we don't. We at this age and stuff, we don't want to really fall. No matter how graceful or ungraceful it might look, falling is not a good thing because we're so, as as you use the word, unbalanced at times. That could be really freaky. We could even hurt somebody else in our fall because of the way it happens. Yeah. Every Friday morning we have a, a breakfast. I call it vegetable soup. We all used to be vegetables, so I call it vegetable soup. Okay. You gotta have a sense of humor about this thing. Oh, so we, go, we go to a breakfast, and and all of the waitress in this restaurant, whenever they're taking orders, they write on my check "beautiful," because yeah. I tell them, "Don't hate me because I'm beautiful." You know, so so you look fine. I look normal. I don't have no obvious signs, but I only get maybe four hours a day before the fatigue sets in. Mm-hmm. So that comes in, then you get confusion, then you can't think straight, and it's just it's an ongoing process. Well, I I know more about it now, so I monitor myself a little bit more for it. But you never can tell when something comes up. Like we may go out to dinner, and and if we're in a, a, re- a restaurant that's loud. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of peripheral activity. I mean, I go downhill real fast, and I got to leave, or I got to go find someplace quiet to sit down, right? Or go into the car. Yes. You know, it, it, just things like that that change your life, and you don't even think about it, but you've got to do it. Well, so tell me, I I know I've joined in at least once, but tell everyone about the Friday online meetings. Okay, uh, it's been very good. I think the hardest thing we've had so far is getting the word out there that it's going on and how they can get to it. If you were inviting someone to this Friday meeting, what would you tell them that might make them feel better about joining? I would ask them if they're happy with their life the way it is now. If you're not, then come and listen. Talk to us. Let us talk with you. Let us help each other. That's the only way things get get resolved, is we help each other. There's no sense in going through life being miserable or going through life hating what's happened. What's happened has happened. You have to move on. This is a place to move on. Absolutely. That's well said, Lynn. I want to thank you for being on here today. Hopefully you can come back sometime and talk some more about all of this and especially how well your Friday meetings are going. I would love to. This podcast on Stroke Focus, the Hand in Hand show was really brought to you by Unlimited Possibilities, a close partner to Stroke Focus and the flagship support group under Georgia Brain Injury Association. Unlimited Possibilities is spearheading many new innovations to fundamentally change stroke and TBI care. We will give you more updates about their progress in our future podcasts.
Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Hand in Hand Show. We hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to keep the discussion going, please join Stroke Focus, the social media website dedicated to stroke survivors and caregivers. Stroke Focus is S-T-R-O-K-E-F-O-C-U-S. Stroke Focus is a part of Wohala, which in Mandarin means I have survived. If you wish to be a part of the show or would like to be interviewed as part of the show, please contact us at contact at strokefocus.net. 